Welcome to the Grow Your Practice podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Chad Madden, owner of Madden Physical Therapy and Breakthrough. Join me each week as we dive into the best practices, systems, principles, tips, and tricks to help you grow your private practice. Hi, everybody. Chad Madden here with the Grow Your Practice podcast. And today we're going to be talking about all things RTM with Stephen Liska with uh, Limber. So uh, the reason that I very much am excited about this is because here at Madden Gilbert Physical Therapy, we personally use Limber. And uh, anyhow, welcome to the podcast here, Stephen. Thank you, Chad. Appreciate it and been looking forward to it and happy to be talking to you. Awesome. Do you prefer Steve or Stephen? No, no, no preference. Okay. Your great. Gut. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, I have a brother named Steve. We'll go with Steve. Okay. Um, cool. So uh, I know the first time we met, Steve, you talked about uh, your physical therapist first and foremost. Can you talk about how you went through, uh, a, you know, being a, a physical therapist, what roles you've had in your career, and then ultimately how you ended up at Limber and why you decided to uh, get involved with RTM? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, kind of a what's what's turned into kind of a unique path. Um, went to my undergrad is in athletic training, went straight into PT school at Northwestern here in, in Chicago. That's, that's where I'm from. Um, first job was a corporate large, you know, kind of enterprise, um, PT group. And I, I realized pretty quickly that that wasn't where I wanted to be. Um, and so then after just, just a few months went into, to private practice, not went into like opened my own, but took, took a role um, with private practice, single location. Um, and that's where I spent my career lived, lived in Colorado for a couple of years, but in both places was working for small private practice, just a handful of locations. And that's, those are my people. That's where I, I like to be. Um, but kind of got to a point where was looking for opportunity for a little more growth, um, probably a little too risk averse to to start my own practice. And it's it's funny. I should thank you for the work you're doing in, in general, right? Like I attended your event in October, and I think I maybe even mentioned this to you at the time that had I gone to an event like that or, or had tools like that, maybe I. Maybe I would have been, um, you know, thinking a little harder about pursuing my own practice. I left that that uh, that conference is like well, maybe I should have looked into that because it was inspirational. So all uh, being very sincere. So thank you for what you're doing for private practice owners. But anyways, I chose um, to kind of look for something a little different. I wound up applying to this clinical leadership role with a large medical supplier. Interviewed with them, found out I was a little bit late and that role had already been filled, but they liked me well enough that they asked if I would be interested in, in taking a sales role with them. They were going to kind of create a sales role for me and definitely nothing I ever would have applied to or, or searched on indeed or anything like that. But, uh, was like, Hey, let's go for it. Um, I'll learn something new. Right. And so I did that and, and wound up being a good fit and worked out well. I wound up spending a few years there managing a, a team of other sales folks, um, mostly selling therapy and rehab equipment and supplies. Right. And then was approached, wasn't looking, but was approached by the one of the founders of Limber and was immediately into the mission, right? So that was, I didn't take any convincing there. Um, wound up being kind of a tough choice. And eventually I, I made the decision to, to join Limber mostly be, because of that, right? It was a more direct way to impact the profession in a positive way and, and specifically private practice owners, right? I, I know the challenges I know about declining reimbursements, all that stuff. And so to have an opportunity to bring something that offers a little bit of relief, I kind of jumped on that and uh, it's been a really good, good move so far. Awesome. 
Appreciate the story. Uh, anything that you want to add in for that you, you talked about the founder of Limber, how long has Limber been around? Any of the backstory behind the company, how it came to be, I think would yeah. be for the listeners. Yeah. Absolutely. would love to. Yeah. So we've had a, you'll notice I say we, an hour, like I've been here like a year, but I take credit for everything that happens, you know, <laughs> going back. So we've had a company since 2019, uh, even though these RTM codes weren't reimbursable until 2022. So it was actually our founders who played a very large role along with the AMA in creating these codes and submitting for their for their approval. So we had a few years there um, waiting, hoping that they're going to be approved, built out our model, built out our team, built out our platform, actually did a couple of studies at the Mayo Clinic. And that way we were able to kind of hit the ground running last year once these were reimbursable. Um, and so that's kind of the background of, of Limber. And so, you know, I'm very straightforward with everybody we talk to. We, we feel like we understand RTM as much as anybody can. That said, it's still it's still new for everybody, us included, and we're still learning all the time. And, uh, you know, it's an innovative thing. Great. So before we get into the market trends and main pain points that owners are having and why they're looking to that, a uh, couple reference points. So I did have, uh, I forgot about this, Brad Saunders on That's who right. you yeah. recommended. Um, he did do a podcast episode for us um, a few months ago. So for listeners, you can go check that episode out. That is Brad Saunders, a uh, uh, clinic manager, practice director, I believe, uh, in the Carolinas. Do you remember the name of the practice? Coastal Carolina PT, I believe. Yeah, and he, he oversees several several sites. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I believe they have 10 total. And Brad did an amazing job talking about how they rolled that out. So make sure you check that out. For those listeners that are new, um, what is RTM? How did it come to be? And uh, how's it being used in the marketplace right now, Steve? Yeah, yeah, please. I, I, you know, that's, that's what we really want to talk about and get the word out, right? And again... Wasn't there in the in the very early origins, but I usually like to use some some numbers, some some research to kind of explain the the problem, kind of some depressing statistics, frankly, um, but then more hopeful stuff, you know. So the research, you know, there's a few different articles out there. Some show that 80% of a patient's outcomes are determined outside their their visits, right, outside their time in the clinic, which makes sense. 95% of their time, even if you're seeing them a couple of times a week, is not with you, right? And also 80% of information that, that patients are told is immediately forgotten, which is the most painful one for me because I used to love patient education. You think you do a great job. And some of this is just, you know, kind of in, in one ear out the other, right? So we think we're setting patients up with these great tools to go home with, um, set them up for success. But these kind of things make it translate to less than 35% of patients that are adherent to their home exercise program, right? You can come up with all the best exercises for them to do. And as we all know, they're not doing it. Nothing's happening. The good news is there's research out there that shows that communication between visits, regular check-ins, things like that lead to a drastic increase in HGP adherence, like over 90%. And so that's kind of the problem RTM is trying to solve, right? But if you're going to try and solve it, you need something that's going to demonstrate improved outcomes, first of all, but going to be a better patient experience or at least a good patient experience. And then also some revenue tied to it, right? If you're going to have practice owners do something new, implement new things, put put time and energy into that, it's got to be reimbursable. And so the result of that was these RTM CPT codes, right? So what if there's codes out there that can be utilized to reward or incentivize um, therapists for following up, checking in with their patients between visits to increase that likelihood of, of success? Awesome. So 
can you get for again for those that are new to rtm and understanding that what would be uh so average case average reimbursement per patient coming through can you talk through some use cases there as well and what an owner could expect for the effort that they're putting forward to monitor in between visits yeah yeah and i suppose i didn't even really get into like what actually is this what is rtm and so it's it's we're using these codes but it's it's during an active episode of care so i want to be clear about that right this is not after discharge or anything like that. this is in conjunction with their normal episode of care and their normal in-clinic episode does not need to change this is not telehealth this is not replacing those visits it's very much set up to complement that in-clinic care. And so this goes on during that active episode of care. It can last as long as the episode of care is going to last. Um, the, the regulations are you can actually, we can do RTM, you can monitor patients only up to 30 days without a therapy visit. So you do need to be seeing them for actual therapy visits, you know, periodically. Um, and so, you know, what that translates to in terms of reimbursement, is that kind of kind of what you're asking, Chad? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, of course, it varies a ton by level of engagement, how the length of their episode of care, but it's pretty regular for us to see an engaged patient translating to over $300 in additional reimbursement from RTM codes throughout their whole episode, not, not per month. Throughout that episode of care, if it's an engaged patient communicating, um, that's, that's normal to see. Great. And then uh, I'm going to probably oversimplify here. But in uh, the last year or so, the in, in talking with various RTM companies, I, I see the and what we enjoy about this is okay. Sorry, I got ahead of myself. Uh, <laughs> two, two, two different R, RTM categories. One is where the therapist is handling pretty much everything, right? And there are a few companies doing that. And then uh, what we love about working with you and your team is there you actually appoint a clinician to handle uh, a lot of the communication between the visits as well so can you talk about those two schools of thought and ultimately you know who is the type of practice owner other than me that you know is looking at limber as a solution yeah so definitely i, I can elaborate obviously more on that white glove approach because that's that's the the model we utilize but i want to be very upfront right it's not right for everybody. And we're really, you know, clear about that. And we, we discussed that with folks, if you're with a practice um, and you want your therapist, um, you know, monitoring their own patients, you feel like they have time built into their, to their schedule. You're going to build time into their schedule to do that, to check in with patients, you know, more power to you. Um, definitely go for it. And there's, there's solutions out there for that. Um, there are certain billable milestones, you know, milestones on the codes that you need to hit in order to be able to build them. So you just have to make sure you're setting yourself up for success there, that therapists have enough time um, to interact with those with those patients. What, what would be an example of that? That like a yeah. Map? So the the most the RTM minutes, right? Most of that time we spent, you know, or we think about as far as the um, communicating with the patient. Those are in 20 minute increments, right? So every 20 minutes, you're able to bill. If you do 19 minutes of monitoring in the month, you're not billing anything as far as those RTM minutes go. And that's that two out of the four codes that we utilize that applies to. And then there's two other codes that have a caveat that the patient needs to transmit data for at least 16 out of a rolling 30 days. And we can get as much into the, to the weeds on this as, as you want. You probably don't want to go too deep. But basically, if they're not transmitting data through the app, you know, or whatever kind of program they're utilizing and they're not using this, the service or the platform, you're not going to be able to bill for that patient. 
Got it. So uh, just out of curiosity, I didn't plan on asking this question. Any early data that you have from RTM so far in terms of better outcomes or anything like that, that ultimately you can, you know, that we as an industry can take back to the insurance company in the future. Anything, any trends that you're seeing there? Yeah, absolutely. So let me answer that. And then I'll go back to actually getting into our kind of, you know, more white glove um, approach that we take. Um, Yes. So it's early. Um, We've collected data and and we have clients who've collected data and shared some of it with us. And so more to come for sure. We're we're very big on an outcomes collection, Um, but thus far, very, very positive trends. Um, so improved outcomes, first of all, for sure, like seven out of 10 patients. And this is, um, you know, we've combined this from a few different studies, but about seven out of 10 patients meeting their minimal clinical important difference for either pain or function. So majority of patients having a, a really positive um, improvement. And then just talking about, you know, numbers from, from various groups that are not just tied directly to outcomes, but we've seen increased arrival rates decreased cancellation rates, decreased drop-off rates, right? And so less patients self-discharging after only two, three visits. And it makes sense. People are more invested in their plan of care, right? They have people following up with them, people checking in with them. And so what we've seen also, it's kind of interesting, but again, makes sense, is the total number of visits for the episode has floated right around the same. And so it's like, well, if people are coming more and they're canceling less, how is the number of visits not not going up? And it's because people are getting better faster, right? So Mr. Jones goes from 12 visits to, to 10 visits, but Mrs. Smith made up for that because she went from three visits to 10 visits. Um, and so really, really positive trends uh, thus far. And like I said, more, more to come for sure. Great. Love that point. And uh, never thought about that before. So that's a great one. As practice owners, the, the biggest challenge that many of us are facing right now is you know the declining reimbursements, um, increased cost of doing business, um, and then in the end, what does that mean? Shrinking margins. So this is a, it sounds like you're saying is this is a very straightforward, straightforward way for us to better serve the people that are coming through, getting more compliance and ultimately lifetime customer value for us um, across the board. So uh, appreciate that. The, the thing that I probably have seen owners with struggle with the most and myself included. I hope you didn't look at our utilization numbers before you hopped on here. But um, when we're, you know, managing 45, 50 clinicians, rolling out a new program such as this um, is often perceived as more work. I, You and I had talked about this uh, in the fall in Denver, and that's how we ended up talking with Brad, because I'm looking for owners, practice owners that have rolled this out successfully and have the highest utilization. What are you seeing in common with the clinics that have the highest utilization of of Limber and ultimately RTM within their practice that have done the most successful rollout? So you can help the stragglers. Yeah, great question. And and we're getting better at this all the time, as you can imagine, right? Because we're learning, you know, every organization's different and we need to bring different things to the table that, that click. And so what you alluded to before is we take this very high touch approach where we are actually providing the staff to do the monitoring. Our, our whole, you know, where we're going after is we want the workflow in the clinic to change as little as possible. So therapists are able to enroll people. Our care navigator reaches out, which is a licensed PTA, PTA or PT, depending on, on the, the state. They reach out and they're handling all the monitoring. That We are very straightforward that it is still that therapist plan of care, right? So this care navigator, we call them, will never update 
the plan of care. They'll never update the HEP. They very much become part of the team um, with that in-clinic provider. They're communicating everything back to that therapist so that the therapist has, has full insight into everything. This care navigator is purely in a supporting, motivating, coaching kind of role and really just kind of eyes and ears for that therapist out of the clinic. But to answer your question, provider engagement, we call it, that's our biggest challenge and therefore our top priority with, with every decision we make, right? Therapists, we need therapists to buy in. Yes, they're not doing the monitoring, but nothing works if they're not enrolling appropriate patients into RTM and telling them, hey, Jennifer, your care navigator is going to be reaching out to you in 24 hours. She's awesome. You're going to love working with Jennifer. She's going to help support you with your, your program at home, right? And every clinic knows exactly who their care navigator is. They, like I said, they become part of their team. It's not some, some robot, you know, reaching out. But of course, that takes, you know, a little bit of, you got to present it the right way. And to answer your question five minutes later, it's top-down messaging. The messaging from the top, how it's presented, not mandated, like you're, you're going to do this and you're going to like it, right? It's here's why we decided this is going to be really good for our practice. Here is how your, your patients stand to benefit from it. And not, what I'll say is, as soon as that therapist enrolls somebody and that somebody comes back and tells them about their experience with the care navigator, we're good. We're good. It's just a matter of, getting that initial um, kind of, hey, give it a shot. You know, this person is going to complement your care. Right. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to more uh, transformation amongst clinicians as we go along here. So the, the, more the industry has hope because I do think the, you know, the hybrid model, both supporting people live in a bricks and mortar practice and then supporting them well online is is the the trend that we're going to see in the future. Uh, final question here, specifically to RTM, Steve. Um, the one concern that you and I've talked about in the past, I've talked with other um, RTM uh, providers with as well, and this is a tough one, is, you know, to me as a business owner, as a practice owner, um, relying on, you know, insurance companies for reimbursement, very challenging to get them to meet our rising costs in order to provide care. And um, at the same time, if we look at, you know, CMS or Medicare reimbursement, that's decreased roughly 10% over the last five years, while our costs have gone up significantly. Um, yet again, through RTM, I haven't seen anybody charging cash for this yet, but I'm sure it's the possibility in the future. Um, can you talk through how you think through you know, we're relying on the insurance companies for reimbursement. We've already had declining uh, reimbursements over the last few years. What's keeping the insurance company just from pulling out the rug underneath us? And then we're providing RTM and then tomorrow it's not reimbursed. How do you think through that? Yeah, great question. And, and hopefully I, I can answer that um, well, because we try and really position ourselves here as, as a leader in this industry. And going along with that is discussions and negotiations with, with payers to get wider acceptance. And there is, right? So there's over 30 payers now we've seen um, covering this outside of Medicare. And of course there's there's nuances and it's, it's messy, right? But the point is there's more and more payers coming on board with positive policies and RTM and things like that, but Medicare kind of starts, you know, sets the trend. And so we have to show positive outcomes with, with Medicare patients um, for these codes to stick around. They have to be utilized and we have to have good outcomes. But Ultimately, the way I, I rationalize it or really what we're trying to do with these codes and with our model and our practices help push the industry towards more of a value-based care model where, where clinicians are, 
you know, in, incentivized for the, the quality of care that they're delivering, right? And so what we're trying to prove and proving thus far in our numbers is that, hey, yeah, it's worth to, to Medicare, it's worth its insurances to pay a little bit extra reimbursement to help ensure, help increase the chance of success with conservative care, if that means they're avoiding the costs of unnecessary injections and unnecessary surgeries and unnecessary imaging and unnecessary prescriptions, right? And at what your show you guys put on um, back in the fall, you had, I don't know if you have the number on you still, I would love it if you did. It, it, although I don't want to hear it again, I think I audibly gasped at the the cost of you know musculoskeletal care in this country or what's spent on in a year. It was like, it made you sick to your stomach. And so you got the number? Oh yeah, it's so 2021, what I had shared in Chicago at our live event was uh, 2021, we spent $4.3 trillion. We have 331.9 million people. So that works out to be $12,956 per person per year, over $1,000 a month. Pretty good. Yep. And, and so early, we think, and I'm sure you agree, early and adherent physical therapy or therapy in general is the best way or one of the best ways to, to combat that. Um, and so that's what this is all about. Love it. Um, I lied to you. I have one more question for you. Nope, that's uh, it. <laughs> any states that um, because of the Practice Act or anything like that, that we cannot do RTM in? So there's there's definitely some regulations that vary state to state. There's no states we we, we can't do RTM. Um, we utilize, there's different supervision rules state to state. Um, and so, you know, for example, vast majority of states, we can we can utilize a, a PTA as a care navigator. That, that's what we call our person doing the monitoring. We can use, utilize a PTA if we choose to. Some states require that professional be a, a PT um, just because of supervision rules. But no, there's, like there's a way to do it. Like Pennsylvania. Yeah. Uh, there, there's, there's about six, seven of them that, that we know. You're lucky. Awesome. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so for... So I'm a practice owner. I'm interested in exploring RTM with Limber. Uh, what's the best way for our listeners to get in contact with you, learn more about Limber, um, and ultimately more about RTM and what it looks like in their practice? Yeah, and I hope you know you're hearing from me today that we, we just want to get the word out about this stuff. And so I would encourage people to reach out, whether they think they're in love with everything we're talking about and like this is a fit for me, or it's just like I'd like to hear a little bit more. I got some questions. Please reach out. We set up a landing page just just for you guys, and so I would encourage people to go to it's it's uh, limberhealth.com/slash/breakthrough. Yeah. Um, so pretty simple, and that's what, yeah they they can then submit a, a demo. Most of those submissions go to me, and and I'll be reaching out. Love it. So just to spell that for yeah. you, if you're listening right now, and I will put the link in the show notes, but it's limberhealth. That's L-I-M-B-E-R H-E-A lth.com forward slash breakthrough limber again is l-i-m-b-e-r health.com forward slash breakthrough awesome steve so one more question final question for you this one is a personal one uh just to cap off a great episode here uh most influential book in your professional career that you've read and essentially transformed how you thought about professional life. huh yeah yeah 
Um, there's one called Killer Marketing Secrets. Oh, get out of here. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> so I, I just finished one. I'm going to give you too many answers. But I just finished one called Traction that was pretty interesting. I don't know if you've seen that. It's geared a little you more know, towards you the know tech Wickman industry. EOS. Yeah, yeah. What's it? You know that one? Gino, Gino Wickman. Traction. I, I promise you it's by Okay, me. okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to take credit away from anybody who deserves it. I literally it. Anyway. just talked about it today. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, the, the one that though of all those kind of like professional related books, the one that stuck with me, the only one that I have ever like given out to people is Atomic Habits. James Clear. Yeah. 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 Big fan of that book. And not just on a professional level, I gave it to like my parents, you know, and different things like that. Very cool. Great. So uh yeah. Love Atomic Habits and um yeah, traction is the EOS. I think it's is the system that they talk about in their entrepreneurial organization system, something like that. Maybe two different but, books with, by the same name. I think I literally <laughs> have it on my shelf right here, but uh, is it blue? <laughs> no traction. It was two different authors and it's, it's mostly geared towards like the health tech startup industry, but there was definitely some takeaways for, for healthcare. What? Um, it's just like different. Oh, uh, oh man. I'm I very sorry if I no. I, I actually just want to look this up right now. Let's just do to... it. There's two authors that they, they co-wrote it. Yeah, there's definitely a book, Traction by Gino Wickman, that I did look up just to make sure I'm not. Oh, yeah. How any startup can achieve yeah, explosive yeah, yeah. customer growth. Gabriel Weinberg and Justin Mares. Looks That's like that I've never heard of before, but uh, glad you brought that up. And yeah, uh, check it out. But that Atomic out. Habits, that's, you read that one first if you're, if you're choosing. Yeah, awesome. Appreciate uh, your time here, Steve. This was great. And uh, yeah, thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you so much, Chad. Really appreciate it. Right now is a crucial time for private practice physical therapy. I had the chance to talk with hundreds of owners from all over the country. And there's a resounding theme. The story is the same regardless of the state. Uh, whether it's Alaska, Arkansas, Florida, it's the same story. And that's there's downward pressure on revenue income into our business and declining reimbursements. And there's upward pressure on the cost to deliver service, to deliver treatment, whether it be employment, space, equipment, et cetera. And the end result of that is rapidly shrinking profit margins. That's a problem in the uh, you know, if you do any research at all, Greg Crabtree says that anytime we, as a practice service-based business, go under 10%, uh, go under 10% in our margins, we're at risk of, of closing our doors. In fact, many private practices are closing their doors. However, there may be hope for you. So what we're doing here at Breakthrough is we put together a patient demand summit. It'll be on Thursday, May 25th. We have eight sessions lined up. It's from 12 noon Eastern to 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You do have to register. This is specifically for private practice owners uh, and their teams. And those eight sessions will all be geared towards you helping you increase your profit margin. So we'll be covering everything from RTM, you know, should you be adding that or adding a cash pay service. We'll be covering um, how to improve your payer mix and perhaps drop your lowest payer. Uh, all things private practice PT focused on increasing your profit margins. The patient demand summit is virtual. It is free, but you do have to register. So click on the link to register. By the way, the alpaca that walked by there, that, that was our latest edition. Uh, her name is Buffy. She's a couple of days old now. I think two days old. So here, we'll show you again. There you go. There's Buffy. Nursing. Great shot. All right. I'll see you at the patient demand summit.
Remember to visit GetBreakthrough.com to access our free resource library designed specifically for private practice growth. While you're there, make sure you register for a complimentary growth assessment to learn about potential opportunities for growth in your local market. Again, thank you for tuning into the Grow Your Practice podcast and supporting our mission to help people in pain get back to normal naturally.